talking about living. How about it? That's a terrible response. You want us to talk about dying another week? We can. How about it? We, um, uh, how many have found that the six-week uh, teaching on future planning has been helpful to you? And uh, I feel like it's just uh, certainly an obligation uh, as a steward of God, uh, as your pastor, to help you prepare for a part of your life that none of us really want to talk about. Uh, but I'm glad that he's prepared a place for me on the other side. How many believe he has prepared a place for us? Can you say amen? Uh, tonight I, I will talk about balance. First uh, Samuel, First um, Samuel chapter 16. I will be reading from, and um, verse six and seven. I would like to preach to you, teach you tonight about the danger of extremes the danger of extremes 1 Samuel 16 verse 6 and 7 says and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said surely the Lord's anointed is before him he's the oldest it seems like he's the tallest he's the wisest he's the most capable but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have what? Refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And um, the Bible says that man looketh on the outward appearance. I've had so many people in my years of ministry to tell me that the outward appearance does not matter to God. But the Lord understands something as that man looks on the outward appearance. What that means is we are judged based upon our outward appearance. It's not just talking about clothing. It's talking about demeanor. And if you notice, he talked, said one word specific. He said countenance. Your countenance affects people. How many know it does? It affects relationships. I'd like to teach on the danger of extreme. Would you lay your Bibles down and just ask God to speak to you? Lord, we love you. You have always been good to us. Without fail, without wavering, your hand has been upon our life. For that, we're very, very grateful. God, even in moments that I didn't understand, you've always worked out, Lord, to our good. You've blessed us, Lord, abundantly. I want us to really reach out to him and say, God, let us be the light in the dark hour. Let us be the salt to somebody's life. Let us become peace to somebody's storm. Help us today, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody says, Amen. Why don't you clap your hands and give him a shout of praise right now. Come on, let's shout to him right now. Lord, you've been good to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you as you are seated. When you began to look at Scripture, we, we can't take one portion of Scripture and build an entire doctrine. 
saying, and I've had people from the verse or the text that I read tonight, they would say that, well, uh, it doesn't matter what you wear because God doesn't see as man seeth. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. So they form a doctrine that says it really doesn't matter what's going on the outside as long as you're right on the inside. And um, as I have to say to you, it does matter what's on the inside. But the outside matters to God as well. If it did not matter, then why would he cause his priests in the Old Testament to dress like this? If they would show the image here this evening. Why would they require the priest to wear something that looks like this? The garment certainly in specific detail. He tells uh, Moses in the Levitical law, this is what I want the high priest to look like. Why? Because the people are gonna see him as a representation of me. It mattered to God to have his high priest who were the bridge between man and God, who represented the hope and the glory of God, that they would have a certain presentation. It was very detailed. You can look there and you can see the, 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 the breastplate with the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Where were they? They were on his chest, up on his heart, representing his love for God and for the people. He represented, because he was a representative of God to the people and for the people. Somebody say amen. I want you to know tonight that God didn't just save you to save you, to bring you out of darkness, out of sin, out of bondage, just so you could go to church and you've got your, your fire insurance, if you will. You've got your ticket to escape hell. No, it wasn't just for you, Timothy. He said it's gonna save you and them that hear you. How many believe that? Revelation says that God has made us kings, and priest before our God. You are no longer just a, a, a person come out of the world that God saved, but ye are a chosen, a royal, a holy, a peculiar, that ye should show forth your praises, him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm just gonna get to the point here tonight. I think I've proven my point. He expects you to be a representation of him. And I'm not just talking about apostolic holiness doctrines. What I am talking about is your demeanor that he expects, your countenance that he expects you to control. Once you become a priest, you are not to be like everybody else. You can't act like everybody else. You don't even walk like everybody else because the priest has such a garment that if you would look here, there was a girdle that he had to wrap around him. The girdle went somewhere from here all the way down below the knee. It was like a burlap type of girdle. It would have been not very comfortable, but it would have went down below the knee and would have been pretty tight to where that his knees would have caught somewhere about here and it operated for him as you would see somebody at Lowe's that is carrying things back and forth. 
They have something that goes around. It was to bring strength to their back so they could carry a load that they normally would not be able to carry. The garment had purpose. It necessarily wasn't visible, but it had purpose to help him strengthen his back when he was carrying heavy burdens. It was the garment of the priest. It was a functional garment. But you know what it also did? It didn't allow him to bend down as low as other people. He couldn't bend down. It had parallels of meaning that there's some things priests cannot do. There's some levels we should not get down on. Meaning, there's some conversations we shouldn't be having as a saint of God or a priest before the Lord. We shouldn't stoop so low to some levels that the common man can. We can stoop some, but we can't stoop down to every carnal thought, every carnal thing, every carnal way. There's some words that shouldn't come out of a priest's mouth. Can you say amen? You would be insulted if you heard me tell some dirty joke. You heard a cuss word come out of my mouth when I got mad. You wouldn't look at me the same because there's an expectation of every believer, every Christian. You wouldn't even think it's cool to think I could stoop down to such a place to allow, no matter how mad I am, to let cuss words or slanderous words come out of my mouth. You would be disappointed in me. Why? Because I represent something to you. It is a priest of God a man of God, a man that wears the cloth, a man of the cloth. Are you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying at some point though, you've got to understand that you're a priest to somebody. Maybe I'm your priest. Maybe I represent your pastor, the man of God in your life. But what I'm talking about, you are representing God to somebody in your world and it matters where you stoop. It matters how you act. It matters how you live. Somebody's looking at your countenance. It matters. Look at your neighbor and say, get control of yourself. It matters. You saw me get some mad. I punched a hole in the wall. You might expect it out of some people. And over the years, I've seen people do disappointing things, really because you have expectation, but I've also seen people that when they did things, they say, well, I, was just, I figured that happened one of these days. Why? Because their demeanor or their outward appearance, I'm not necessarily talking about garments, I'm talking about demeanor, I'm talking about countenance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about behavior, actions. I believe garments matter, and you know I teach that. But what I'm saying tonight is that if, if I would do such an act, explode in some manner, you would be disappointed in me because you believe as your pastor I should be better controlled. Am I right or wrong? You feel like if I'm in this role, then I ought to have some discipline about me. When you first come to the Lord, you know, you're working your way out. You know, uh, one guy, he, he was new in the Lord and somebody got, really, really got him all worked up and work and he knocked him out. He put the guy, he's trying to get the guy to wake up and he was repenting all at the same time. Oh God, you're gonna have to forgive me, you know. Heard of one church where a pastor knocked a guy out and he said, Lord, you have to forgive me. I had to discipline one of your children. I don't think that would go over too well. <laughs> what I'm saying is outward appearance matters. What you say, when you respond. Let's look at the, let's look at the Lord 
He's been falsely accused. He's been spit in his face. They, they've done all, all these things. They, they, they're going to shame him, drive nails in his hands. They, they treat him. I mean, <coughs> the cross was not beautiful. It was, it was betrayal. It was everything that you can imagine, slap in the face, spit in his face. I mean, he is, he's, he's, you ever just been hurting? How many of you have ever been irritated because you were in pain? I came out of surgery one time. I was 12 years old. I stepped on two nails. I was very, very sick. Had uh, blood poison. And uh, according to the doctor, I was dying. And uh, then they tell you they're going to have surgery. Then they don't do the surgery. When they're telling you, they're going to tell you they're going to do the surgery. You may know what I'm talking about. You know, it's supposed to be 6 a.m., then it's 7 a.m., then it's 9 a.m., then it's 10 a.m., then it's noon, then it's 1, then it's 2, then it's 6 p.m., and you're mad. You're hungry. Look at your neighbor and say, hangry. Amen. And I'll never forget my sweet Aunt Lisa coming there. She said, oh, Aaron, you've got to be starving. You haven't eaten since yesterday. What would you like me to get? She said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have you your favorite lasagna when you come out of, when you come out of surgery. Oh, lasagna sounded so good. I could eat styrofoam when I was so hungry, but uh, lasagna sounded better. I'll never forget coming out of surgery, being in that. Being in that. They wheeled me back to the room, and I'm coming out of anesthesia, and, and uh, I look up. Loving family, love my family. They're very supportive. But I looked up, saw all my aunts and uncles and people, and it looked like there was a head from the bottom of the door to the top of the door on both sides, peeking in the room, looking at me. And I got so angry. I didn't want to see anybody. You know why? I was hurting. How many's ever been there? And in the moment that Jesus was at the cross, the Bible says that He went before His shearers dumb. Why? Why? Because there is a time when you are in a place that you could say the wrong thing, you've got to learn to be disciplined and open not your mouth. Look at your neighbor and they say, open not your mouth. Felt good to say it, didn't it? It's harder to live it, but there is a wise statement from him because one word from him could have changed everything. How many believe when I'm preaching to learn as a Christian, not just as a pastor. This is just the role as a pastor, but I'm talking and teaching about the danger of extremes because in the garment that he wore, his hat was called the mitre. Everybody touch your head and say the mitre. It was the hat that he wore. It would have been a tall, elongated type of hat that went up. There was a gold band, gold band, how many of you have seen some ladies that wear like a, 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 a hair little band that comes around a little bit tight around the forehead back and it's, it, you know sometimes goes in and out, out of style but it would have went, the, the, the hat would have been worn, the mitre would have been up on the head and there was a gold band that went over that held the hat tight, somewhat tight to the head. On the band it said holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the the Lord. See, I'm not doing this for people. I'm doing this unto him. And when my life becomes about him, then I began to impact them. You don't do this for people. You do this unto God. Amen. How many believe God is the basis of all morality? Really is. If there's no God, why do it? If there's no God, why go to church? If there's no God, why be holy? If there's no God, why control your temper? Why control your grief? Why control the moments in your life? If there's no God, why bite your tongue? But when I do it unto the Lord, the Bible says, speaking of Joseph, talks about in the things, he never sinned against the Lord. 
What was it with Job? He never sinned with his mouth. What was it saying? His life was to please God even in his pain. Our pain does not give us an excuse to become sinners again. How many know that? What I'm preaching to you is we have to become very balanced. Everybody poise yourself and get balanced. Will you, you know, sit up straight and you put your back against the chair, put your hands on you. Boy, that sounds good. I feel like a teacher right now. Sister Duvall, I feel like a teacher right now. I felt good to tell everybody that. All you students in the room, now, now, now don't pass any notes and get off your phones. I might as well stay on this roll for just a moment here. Yeah. Put your back against it. Get very poised. But what you'll find is the priest had to learn to walk with a mitre. He had to learn to walk with a mitre. When I went to Guatemala, there was, there was ladies that could literally walk with, with pots of things on their head. Water, clothes. They could have a kid on their, on their shoulders and something up here carrying two things. They had learned to walk with such poise that it gave great balance because if, if they would have learned, how many ever tried to walk with a book on your head? How many remember your kid, you tried that, you know, it slipped off, hit the floor and damaged the corner of the book. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But you were trying, you were trying. You were trying to walk balanced and some smart adult in, in class could do everything great and they just, first time they put it on top of their head and they walk around just very perfect. You know what I'm talking about. How many's ever tried anything like that? The priest had to learn to walk with the miter. The miter wasn't so tight that it could not be removed. The miter was held by holiness. And if they would have leaned too far to the right, it would have fallen off. And if they would have leaned too far to the left, it would have fallen off. They had to learn to not lean too far either way or holiness would be lost. Now let's talk about being conservative and being liberal for a moment. Leaning to the ways of the world, leaning, leaning to the ways of convictions. If you're not careful, you will lean so far to the right trying to be holier than somebody else that you lose your holiness. It becomes self-righteousness. It's no longer about God. You don't do some things because somebody else does it. And you want I remember Brother Johnson evangelized. He said, when I evangelized and preached, he said, there was moments, he said, nobody would respond until I start preaching about holiness and about righteous living, going down the line of what you should wear, what you shouldn't wear. He said, then people would start getting up excited and responding, not because they believe what I was preaching, but because I, they thought I was preaching to their neighbor. And we have to be very careful that what we do is not about people that what we do is always unto the Lord. How many believe we need to live every way unto him? Can you say amen? When you begin to make changes in your life, in your new birth experience, this can't be about traditions of the past and holding on to the past. You've gotta say, does it please God or does it please my family? Does it please God or does it please me? Because pleasing God does not mean you're gonna please your family and please you. There's some things you do because it's unto him. Holiness is not just from the world. Holiness is about a relationship with God. Amen. There's some things I wear or wouldn't wear based on if Cindy approved it or not. I'm not gonna wear some tie that she hates. Doesn't make sense. Why? Because I have a relationship with her. If she likes something, you're gonna probably see me wear it again. I mean, no, it's true. It's the way it should be. And you ladies with your husbands, same way. You do things because it's pleasing to them. It's based off of relationship. 
What I'm preaching to you is God didn't call you to be some priest just down there with the people, among the people. No, you're not living for the people, Saul. You don't base decisions on what they want you to do. You're missing it. What he said was, you've got to do things to please me. It's got to be me above everybody else. And when we begin to please God, his holiness brings power into our life. And I come to tell you, there is, there is power with holiness. Somebody shout, Holiness. Some people, when you mention holiness, I was trying to teach, but I feel like preaching, Brother Nehemiah. Holiness is more than clothes. It's more than a skirt length. It's more than about your hair. It's more than cosmetics. It's more than those things. You gotta understand, holiness is about attitude. The spirit within and the nature without. The best thing that could ever be said about you is somebody say, you remind me of the way Christ would be. How I many know oh, that should be our goal? Oh, I think we ought to lift our hands and love him right now. I want to be like the Lord. Be ye holy, he said, as I am holy. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. We have to be very, very careful. I realize, I realize what I said Sunday. Night was a, was a little bit apprehensive to some. I could feel that even in my own spirit. When I got up here and I said, fornication is fun. Boy, there's, I got up and when I said adultery is fun, it was like a shock wave went to the church. Oh my God, I can't believe pastors telling our young people that. It's true. Solomon said in Proverbs 9, he said, stolen water is sweet. Stolen water is sweet. He's talking about adultery. He said it's, 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 it's still sweet. doesn't make it right. How I many know it's true? We can't be so holy we can't be real. We can't be so holy that we're above everybody. We can't be so holy that we speak in Hebrew and in tongues all the time to where no one knows what we're talking about. Amen, the thing that was so powerful about Jesus is he was so holy, holier than any man ever been. Yet he wasn't too holy to kneel down at, a, at the feet of somebody accused in sin and have a, have a looking at her with a second chance. He wasn't so holy that he couldn't be around the lepers and tell them, Go show yourself to the priest. He wasn't so holy that he wouldn't let sinners in his life. What I'm saying is we have to be careful that what we call holiness is really not self-righteousness and pride. Pride. We don't want to be around those type of people because we're holy. That's pride. That's not holiness. That is pride of the flesh. Can you say amen? If you're too good to hang out with a, somebody poor and broken, somebody that doesn't have it all together, maybe doesn't have the hygiene all figured out because of the way they were, let me tell you, that's prideful to not be willing to stoop down to where somebody is. I come to tell you, we ought to be a friend to everybody, the poor and the rich, the broken and the healed. Come on, do you believe this? Can you say amen? The Bible says we need to be careful lest we entertain angels unawares. I know of a preacher, I'm talking about holiness is balanced. Should be no categories in our mind of who we can win or not win. Reach or not reach. Jesus told John the Baptist's disciples, 
They said, are you him? He said, you go tell him. I'll preach the gospel to the poor. Holiness is about reaching people. I want you to say this with me. Holiness is not isolation. Holiness is under the Lord. See, in the, in the teaching of holiness years ago, it was holiness is from the world and they forgot it's unto God. So people come out from the world, from the people, separated from sinners, never around anybody, disconnected from all their family because they're the world. Instead of coming out of the system, out of the way of thinking, come on, out of the ungodliness, get in a relationship with God, so you get a glowing experience like Moses did in the mountain and walk back to the unbelieving family and they see something in you that you never had before. It's called the glory of God. It's called holiness. It's righteousness. And I come to tell you, holiness will bring the glory of God if it's not self-righteous, if it's done in balance. Can you say amen? You have to be very careful too that, that, that with holiness that you do not become uh, casual, carnal, to where... Oh, I'm saved. I can do anything I want. In the Bible study before church, I was mentioning this. The devil told Jesus, throw yourself off the cliff and the angels will take charge of you so that, and he quoted scripture, that you will not dash your foot against the stone, meaning because you're the son of God, nothing bad can happen to you. Jump off the cliff. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know what he was saying? He was saying, just because I'm the son of God does not mean I live unbalanced that I get too close to the edge. And let me throw this out here. If the movie's edgy, you better stay away from it. Come on, if the website or the friend or the connections or whatever is, is pushing you toward the edge of conversation, stay away because if you lean too far toward carnality and, and this temporal world, guess what's gonna happen? The holiness is gonna fall off. Don't let your holiness fall off. I don't think we can be so, so holy that, that we can't live normal lives. I've seen people say, well, I won't even get on an elevator because it's worldly. So extreme that they miss the point of practicality. God has always been very practical. But we should, my, I feel like preaching here for a moment. The Bible says that God would not tempt man. He will never put anything in your path to jeopardize your eternity. Never, somebody shout never. But God will test man. There's a difference between temptation and testing. A test will never do anything with your eternity. It will prove where you are before he takes you to the next level of dependence in his kingdom. Somebody shout tested. I'm an engineer by degree. There's one thing you learn is don't use anything you haven't tested to see if it can hold up. Somebody shout tested. What that means is Timothy, don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. It had to be tight enough to withstand leaning too far with opposing winds in the priest's life. What I'm saying to you is God expects us to be poised 
even in the winds of opposition. What I'm preaching here tonight is you're watching me, but people in your world are watching you. Their life with God is going to be based upon your decisions in life. How many believe that? How many believe our decisions? I have seen people in high positions fail, and when they did, it affected a lot of people. Why? Because men do look on people. At the end of the day, a priest is just a man, and you're just a lady, you're just a man yourself. How many know that? There's none of us that can attain to the glory of God or the perfection of God. How many believe that's true? Amen. One of these days, God tarries. I'm going I'm to go on. I'm not going to live forever. I mean, oh, the same with you. We're not trying to get people to look at us, but we're trying to live a life that somebody can have hope through us. I've learned something over the years, and it's called faith. Everybody shout faith. When you look at scripture, Paul would make statements like this and come up here, Ethan, and, and uh, let me just throw this point in here while I'm teaching, is that when you would talk to Paul, Paul would speak in terms like us. Uh, I'm gonna send you Timothy, my son, in the gospel. What he was saying was, you can believe in him. He's a man of God. You can, you can trust his preaching and his teaching. What did he want? He wanted the people to have faith in this man. Why? Because if you can't believe in the preacher, he can't minister to your needs. Not just God. You have to have faith not only in God, but in the person leading you and praying for you. Billy Cole believed. He believed wholeheartedly that miracles don't only happen because of faith in God, but faith in the person praying for you. If you don't have faith in the person praying for you, you're not gonna get a miracle. Not through them. And I'm saying this to every preacher that can hear me, every young preacher aspiring, be blameless in your walk with God. Paul said, I am blameless before you. Live a life that's blameless. That don't, don't let your garment get spotted. Why? Because people are looking how you present yourself and live a righteous life. People don't want an unrighteous person preaching to them. People don't want an unrighteous parent telling them how to live. An unrighteous uh, a teacher, an unrighteous Sunday school teacher, an unrighteous youth pastor, an unrighteous choir director. They don't want unrighteous people telling them what to do. Am I right or wrong? And so we have to understand that God calls us to live a life that can be believed in. And it's empowering when somebody looks at a young preacher and says, I believe in you. I believe the hand of God is upon you. And Paul said to Timothy, he made a statement like this. He said, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation. That means behavior in communication, word and conversation and faith and purity. He said, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. You need to be studious about the word of God and your ministry. Amen. He said, neglect not the gift that is in you, which is given you by the laying on the hands of the presbytery or the pastor. He said, you've got it. You're young. You know what he was also saying? He was telling them, you can believe in him. And he was telling him, I believe in you. 
Why? So he didn't walk up here over all his insecurities, feeling like he's a nobody trying to do something for God. No, but when the church believes in the preacher and the preacher believes in himself, it becomes very powerful. I'm not gonna introduce no speaker up here, get up here and make him look like a, a, a low down nobody. And all you preachers, you listen to me right now, and all you teachers, everybody in the room, remember what I'm telling you, the greatest word of ministry is confidence. You walk to that pulpit with confidence, not because you're perfect, not because you're great, no, because he called me. And if he called me, he's got a plan for my life. I'm not talking about arrogance. That's pride. I'm talking about confidence that comes from humility before God that says I have a word from the Lord because God has spoken to me and he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. I'm preaching to this church. You ought to walk in confidence to the job. You ought to walk in confidence before your family that I have been praying, I have been seeking and the Lord is with me. Brother Nehemiah, one of the reasons I love to hear you preach and sing because you preach with confidence and you sing with confidence. You don't let the things of the past keep you from the miracles of the day. You know why? Because you know him and you know that he loves you. Confidence is faith. Come on, we don't want anybody interviewing from this church for a job with their head down, thinking about not getting it. No, I think a believer who's invested in themselves, invested in prayer, invested in the word, ought to go to that job as if they're the best person for the job because God's hands on their life. Come on, jump to your feet and help this preacher preach. It's called confidence. Walk in confidence. Well, you can't have a Humpty Dumpty attitude. Expect people to follow and believe. I've heard preachers get up and they can't hardly preach for apologizing all the time everything they're saying. I might apologize every now and then because I'm afraid of being misunderstood when I'm being passionate. But I'm not apologize for what I'm preaching. You can't tell if he's believing in what he's saying or he's apologizing everything he's saying. If you're gonna preach truth, you preach it with confidence. The foundation of confidence is faith. It's not faith in me. It's faith in him, in me. That makes the difference in a saint of God or a preacher. He's living on the inside. Come on, can I preach to you, priest? Walk poised. Walk with your head lifted. Not in arrogance, but in the humility of confidence. God is with me. Somebody shout, God is with me. I believe in you. Do you believe in these young people? Be somebody that encourages the preacher. Encourage the saints. We got enough devils trying to bring doubt and unbelief in our life. Are you an encourager or a discourager? Saints need encouraged every now and then. Come on, I'm preaching it right now. Absolutely. Confidence. When you walk in confidence, it doesn't matter what goes on. You can get faith that'll brew up inside of you, bold as a lion. You'll start prophesying no matter what's going on. Why? Confidence that God knows where I'm at. Walk in confidence. You don't have, you don't have to be a preacher to be used of God. You don't have to have preached a sermon to be used of God. Brother Jamie, you can walk in some grocery store, come out for a powerful prayer meeting, just you and the Lord. 
be in a grocery store somewhere. You might be buying goat's cheese. I don't know, but you might be. You don't need to buy it. You've already got it probably at the house. They raise goats if you don't know. Walk in there. All of a sudden, you've been alone with the Lord. Confidence comes from being with God. Some of you right now just need to hear what I'm preaching. Confidence comes from being with him. See, when I'm with God, I'll climb the pews to get to you. When the anointing leaves, I'll try to find a side door to get to the office and try to figure out what I was doing while I was preaching. Because with confidence comes boldness. Boldness. You could turn around with Jamie right in the grocery store and be sensitive to God. Because somewhere that day, the Lord whispered down, said, I'm going to use you today. Because you feel the presence of God. You walk in and you're looking. Who's God going to use me to reach today? And you're not leaning this too far because God's very balanced. He's, God's never extreme. He never asks us to do something that we cannot do. Reasonable service. Isn't that what it says? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy for his reasonable, everybody shout reasonable, everybody shout balanced service. And all of a sudden you make a connection with somebody and you find out they've got something in their body, they need a miracle. And you say, can I pray for you? Not because you trust you, but you trust what has been going on between you and God. And when you go to pray, you feel his hand on your life. How many want to be used of God? I didn't understand the purpose of this when God was dealing with me about teaching you tonight about the danger of extremes. If you lean too far to the right, holiness is going to be lost in your conservative extreme viewpoints. You end up creating laws and expectations for yourself that you can't even fulfill your own self. How many know what I'm talking about? Get up from the altar. I'm going to do a 40-day fast, and you've never fasted for four days. Somewhere you don't feel good enough, and holiness falls off, and can't keep my vow before God. Why? Just too extreme. I'm going to, I'm going to quit my job and go on the mission field, and you got all these bills that stack up because you're trying to get to the mission field. Just balance decisions. Inch by inch, I'm going to save, and God's going to make a way. I'm going to end up going to the mission field here a little and there a little. That's what the Bible says. Incrementally, I'm going to get myself ready. I'm talking about his confidence. If you're not careful, the devil's going to come up and do this. He's going to push you one way or the other because he knows holiness is lost in extremes. Storms are going to come. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. But God said, I have a people I can trust in the midst of winds like a palm tree compares you to. The whole time, you have to stay poised to not lose your holiness in the midst of wind. Are you with me? It was Nadab and Abihu, the sons of the high priest, the first high priest in scripture, Aaron. The Bible says that they came in and they offered strange fire. Leviticus 10 and 1. The Bible says when that happened, there went out a fire from the Lord 
in chapter 10 of Leviticus, in verse 2, it says, And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Imagine that. Aaron is in the temple. Nadab and Abihu have disobeyed God, disobeyed the law, did things their own way. They offered strange fire. They knew better. They're the sons of the high priest. They are priests themselves. I mean, no, they would have the ephod on. It wasn't only Aaron that got anointed. It was Aaron and his sons that got anointed to work the work of the tabernacle. And Nadab and Abihu somehow decided to do it their own way. And they went in from before the Lord without an altar. It's amazing what we will do without altars in our life. I want everybody to shout, you better pray about it. Before you make a decision, you better get on your knees and pray about it. Because decisions made without altars always end up in destruction. Amen, I'm preaching to you. Jesus, before he chose 12 disciples, he prayed all night long. Why? Because prayer matters before decisions are made. How many believe that here today? I feel an unction, I feel an anointing coming up on me right now. We're not just church goers, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And before I take a path, I better make sure he's on that path. He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep, I'm following him. Don't you go down that path and you don't see the Lord walking with you or ahead of you. Follow him, somebody shout follow him. My, 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 watch this. Nadab and Abihu, they offer a strange fire and the scripture says a fire came before the Lord. Her one preacher said that it literally went down inside of them, burnt them inside out and there's two, two piles of ashes on the ground. They were cremated on the spot right by the altar of incense. You can see two piles of ashes of the high priest's children. Moses called, the Bible says, and Moses said to Aaron, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in that that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Somebody shout, hold your peace. He's got two boys that belong to him that are dead. Piles of ashes. I can't imagine what would happen if something happened to Sawyer and Finn? Judgment come upon their life. But you have to understand, he's wearing a garment that represents more than who he is. It's representing who God is to his people. Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron and said unto them, come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. They, had to, these, they were burnt. They had to take these two priests out of the temple. Ash heaps, remove them from the temple. It's awkward to talk about, but it's, this is in your Bible. How I many know oh, this is in the Bible? Now stay with me, don't turn me off. And it says, so they went near and carried them in their coats. They t- carried Two different priests, Nadab and Abihu. They carried them out in their coats. Why? Because they were ashes. My, 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 my. 
The judgment of God had come upon them. And so the Bible says they carried them coats out of the camp, as Moses said. And Moses said unto Aaron, come here, Brother Melik. I want you to be the high priest for a moment. I don't have a hat for you. But I want you to be the high priest. He turns to Aaron. Moses turns to Aaron unto Eliezer, unto Ithamar, his sons. Uncover not your heads. Don't take off your holiness. Don't you be in left or right with the death of the sons. Your family has died instantly would have been grieving in their heart, but don't you change who you are because of the circumstance. Why? Go on, let's read it. Let's look what it says. He said, neither rend your clothes. You're wearing the ephod. You've got 12 stones. It represents the holiness of God, the glory of God, the power of God, the salvation of God. You represent that. Don't remove your hat and do not rend your coat. Don't lose your holiness in this circumstance. You represent righteousness. I realize what's going on around you, but don't dare allow the grieving of the loss to change the position that you're in. Why? He goes on and says, lest ye die and lest wrath come upon all the people but let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And you shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation lest you die. For anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. What he was saying was, if you rend your garment in front of these people, it's going to cause them to turn their back on the Lord. Why? Because people's relationship with God a lot of times is based on the outer garments and the outer countenance of men. Did you hear what I said? How you respond affects people. On the job, in the church, family, friends, people are watching the outside. Jesus is on the cross and the Bible says they could not rent his garment. Nobody has ever been through anything like Christ. Are y'all listening to what I'm preaching here tonight? Everybody say countenance matters. Let's stand to our feet. You're a priest. You're saying to God, how we respond matters. I have watched over the years people with diabetes. I watched over the years for a person with diabetes to get a sore on their foot. That's why one of my friends who pastors who lost a toe or half his foot, I can't remember. This is what he said. He said, the doctor says the most dangerous place to get a sore is on the foot because it's the furthest distance from the heart. What I'm preaching to you, be careful to let yourself 
get too far from his heart. Be careful to watch things that are too far from his heart. Be careful to make friends with people that are too far from his heart. Be careful to let your attitude become too far from his heart. I know it's misunderstood, but as saints in God, we have to be careful when someone dies to let our grief become too far from his heart. Because he said, I will never put more on you than you can bear. You might think bad things. Anybody ever thought some bad things? Somebody said one time, I ain't never cussed since I've been saved, but I thought of the words many times, he said. How many's ever thought some bad things a few times? But don't speak it. Because when the winds begin to blow one way or the other, you have to be careful to let yourself get too extreme. The Bible says that the person that does not control their own spirit is like a city without walls. What does that mean? A person just, just no control over their own spirit. What happens? All walls come down allowing the enemy to come in. Why? Because holiness is lost. The enemy has no guardrail to stop him now. It matters how angry we get. It matters how sad we get. Come on, anybody hear what I'm saying? It matters. And in our infancy of Christianity, we work through those things. But the longer we're in this, the more poised we need to become and realize I've been through some things. I've made some mistakes in some moments. But I'm not rending my garment anymore. I'm not taking the hat of holiness off and being like I used to be. I'm going to be a man of God no matter what. Come on, I'm not preaching to preachers right now. I'm preaching to saints. I'm going to be a man of God. Come on, ladies. I'm going to be a lady of God no matter what. Aaron! Don't take off the hat. And don't you dare rend the coat because people are watching you and your decision can cause an entire nation to blaspheme God. We're not just church members as I close. We're examples. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. How many know we got on the garment of holiness? How many know we got on the garment of praise? How many know we have a garment of meekness and a garment of self-control? I think we ought to clap our hands and thank God for that. Woman, you speak like a foolish woman. God's never done anything to me but good. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to praise him. Naked I came to the world and naked I'll leave. I'm preaching to you here tonight as an entire congregation. When you're not going through something, somebody else is. When somebody else gets okay, somebody else is going to be going something. Preach the funeral today of a 57-year-old man used to be in this church, Eric Winters. Going to be a 
a burial on Friday. Life. One thing we know, life changes. People change. But he remains the same. How many want to be like the Lord and remain the same? The same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to love God no matter what. Let's clap our hands and thank God for that. I'm going to treat people the same no matter what. Because it's unto the Lord. Come on, if you want to wear a priest's garment tonight, you want to be somebody that God uses, I want you to come. Some of you can say, I haven't always done it right, but how many know he's merciful tonight? God, I'm sorry, I don't want to be like Nadab and Abihu and die. No, 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 no. I don't want to become Aaron and die with the sons because of unpoised demeanor. Let me walk in confidence. Let me walk in peace. Come on, it's only three minutes after eight. I want us to make a vow before the Lord. I'm making a covenant with God. I'm not getting extreme in my actions. I'm not becoming extreme in my attitude. what I want us to do tonight walk in confidence not in regret but in confidence everybody say God has forgiven me there's not one person under the sound of my voice that God has given up on not one person how many know that's true everybody say this the hand of the Lord is upon me matter of fact say it the way the Lord said the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me. Aaron, you're anointed. Walk in the anointing. One time, 
one person made one statement to me that removed years of frustration from my life over one small, insignificant, encouraging word. Just one word. Wasn't even from a preacher. A saint of God who I trusted came up and gave me one encouraging word that caused me to believe in myself. Be that for somebody. Be that for somebody. How many want to be an encourager? Be an encourager. It's Thanksgiving time. I want you to write a few people a card and thank them for something. Be thankful for something in your life. And I think before you leave, why don't you find a few people, shake their hands, hug their neck, give them an encouraging word. There's nothing like the people of God. Most positive place in the world is the church. Can you say amen? It really is the power of God, the presence of God. And uh, go find a few people here tonight before you leave. Encourage somebody. Shake somebody's hand. And uh, we're going to see you on Sunday, okay? It's going to be an awesome. And again, for Brother Leon Gators, funeral here at noon, viewing from 10 to 12. We want you to come. And uh, amen. Be here for Brother Nehemiah. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.